Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Well, welcome back. Wednesday, October 18th, 2023. Uh, due to scheduling on my part, we weren't able to have Brandon Weikert with us on our usual Monday. But, uh, boy, the world uh, turns its only eyes to him. And uh, I wanted to start the show off with him today. Brandon, among other things, a geopolitical analyst who's a senior editor at 1945.com, author of several books, including Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Ron's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. Uh, Brandon, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Thank you for having me again. I had a few people ask me, and more than a few, and then I had trouble too. Uh, are, is, is your Twix account, uh, your Twitter account uh, on hiatus right now, or is it... Uh... Yes, I was uh, advised by a friend in the Defense Intelligence Agency to deactivate for 30 days, okay. and I'm not going to get into why, okay. but um, it has to do with what's going on in the Middle East. Okay, fair enough. Well, can we talk a little bit about the Middle East nonetheless? Yeah. It's been said, well, how do I say this? I guess it's been said for decades that truth is the first casualty of war, but it seems to be the that falsehood is is the first weapon of war in the Middle East, or at least when it comes to Israel. My God, the story that caught fire yesterday over a fire uh, in Gaza <laughs> that has um, that has swarmed the Middle East and too many Democrats uh, – like Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar, who are still fanning the flames of the lie, um, it exercised Iran just when you didn't need to. It's exercised the other Arab states just when you didn't need it to. It exercised the Arab street just when you didn't need to. And yet, yesterday, it would have been obvious to anyone who knows anything that something looked very odd in the very first place of it. I mean, I, I, I have never seen a bombing situation where we, within 10 minutes, knew the exact casualty count and the responsible party. I mean, every part of this turned out to be a lie, Brandon. Every part of it. Well, well, and I said, you know, at the time, I said that this was obviously uh, the, the, the terrorists doing this. Um, and, you know, I just, your audience should remember, my book, The Shadow War, actually predicted all of this that's happening. It's like, you know, people contacted me saying how scary it is that, I actually predicted this. And so immediately when I heard that story, and of course there's the lying press in the West that is dutifully becoming the propagandists for Hamas and the Islamic Jihad and uh, the, uh, the Iranians uh, you know, furthering this lie. But I knew immediately that, the, first of all, there's no way 500 people were killed. Right. And second of all, just because Israel doesn't operate this way, Israel is extremely particular in how they strike. It is very rare that you would see that kind of collateral damage in an Israeli surgical strike. Um, And second of all, um, you know, this is part and parcel of Hamas and the rest of those groups' strategy. They are trying desperately to create the casus belli 
for Iran to officially step in. And that is what that was about. Just as the Hamas attack a week ago was predicated on making it impossible for Israel to get into an alliance with Saudi Arabia by provoking a military response from Israel against Gaza, which would then, of course, alienate the Saudi Arabian people who are pro-Palestine. And you've already seen now that alliance between Israel and and Saudi Arabia is on ice, at least officially, for now. Um, Now the next step is how does Hamas and Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad and Fatah operating under Iran's control or nominal control, how do they actually force a second front to open up from Lebanon? And also, how do they rope in officially Iran and, by extension, China and Russia? And this is one of the tactics they're using, false flag attacks. They do something, and they blame it on the Israelis, and the rest of the idiots in the Western press and the idiots on the Democratic Party run with it because... They all hate Israel anyway. They don't like Netanyahu anyway. So they're going to run with it. And now we've spent the last 24 hours having to basically backtrack and say, no, 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 that's not what happened. I mean, even Joe Biden today had to emphatically state Israel did not do this. And believe me, that was through gritted teeth. Had to have been. And uh, not even his vice president, who was here in Arizona uh, last night, could say that. She could I'm not sorry, bring herself to say her? that. Yeah. Sorry? What? I said, can you keep her? No, 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 no. We want to send her back your way. We'd rather send her back your way. But she couldn't stand up to a student at Northern Arizona University who was making this false claim. And you still, And what do you say, what do you say of congresswomen like Rashida Tlaib, who are leading rallies this afternoon, had, was leading a rally earlier today in Washington, D.C., still claiming this thing? I mean, does she not know better? Is she deliberately perpetrating a lie? Um, or does well, it not in, matter in the because the Rash- cause demands it? Right. In the case of Rashida Tlaib, we know that she has familial and financial connections to Palestine, to Gaza. We know that. That was reported when she was running for office. She has money coming in and going back between her and her extended relatives overseas in the Palestinian territories. We know that she has this obsession with Palestine because that's where you know her family is from. We also know that not only is she, uh, I mean, basically, let's face it, she's basically like a, like a nonviolent Islamist, uh, and she, but also uh, her buddy Ilan Omar, another member of the squad. Uh, now, to be fair, I don't know to the extent that she's commented explicitly on this. Well, on we Twitter, she has. On Twitter, she posted yeah, that Israel bombed a hospital and she has not taken it down. Okay, so Ilan Omar, we know, is a Qatari agent. Mm-hmm. We know that. I mean, I mean, I know Reboy's been on, and I know Dave Reboy. This is one of his big things. Ben Weingarten, yep, uh, you all know, of them. wrote a great book on Ilan Omar. Yep. I mean, this we know this is that she is the Muslim Brotherhood's girl in D.C. And Qatar loves her. And Qatar, by the way, is another. So, like, you've got another wider issue here at a strategic level. You've got Iran orchestrating this thing. But attached to Iran, you have this odd alliance in the Muslim world. You've got the Qataris who are really piling on along with Iran. And then you've also got Turkey, this wild thing, and and Egypt as well, and Jordan. You've got this wild thing, though, with Turkey, where Turkey yesterday, it wasn't reported in the Western press, I was floored. Turkey is deploying their navy, which is a modern navy, to operate inside the USS Gerald R. Ford's AOR, area of operation. 
or area of responsibility rather. And um, they, they're going to be doing with the Northern Cypriot Navy, which is a proxy of Turkey, they're going to be doing live fire exercises in the vicinity of the carrier group for General Ford. And this is an attempt to bully the Americans to get them to back away from the region with their carrier strike group. Now, just imagine for a second, Turkey also invaded or bombed northern Iraq the day that these terrorist attacks happened uh, in Israel a week ago. There is a larger coordinated effort being led by Iran, but involving even NATO members like Turkey against Israel, against the United States' interests, serving not only Iranian interests in the region, but Chinese and Russian interests. World War III, as I said, in the Shadow War, if only they had listened to me because I had solutions for avoiding it, World War III is starting now in the Middle East. Yeah, I think that's right. It's it's obvious to anyone with eyes to see or ears to hear. Do we not give Rashida too much of a pass, though, just because... Her heritage is Palestinian. I mean, mine is Lithuanian. No one expects me to speak up well, on behalf of whatever Lithuania is. Kamala Harris doesn't speak up on behalf of India and Jamaica yeah, over no, against the United States. I'm not giving, I'm not giving her a pass. Yeah, no, 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 right. We know that she's got these connections. Yeah. So, of course, she's going to be a blood-curdling anti-Semite. Okay. Uh, you know, she, she's, this, is part of her, this is part of her identity. Is this anti-Semitism is part of her identity? Yeah. Just think about that. Yeah. She's enraptured by hate, and uh, you know it shows. And like I said, she is a legit. I mean, you want to talk about the green red act? Yeah, that's it. She's a spitting example yep. of that. Yeah, that's it. Let me let me pick up with you. I only have yeah. you for two segments today, unfortunately. But let me pick up with you on the other side of this break. How to think through this if you are Israel, Brandon? It's it's entirely likely that. Uh, Israel could be facing something like a five-front war. It could have Gaza. Yeah, I mean, it could have Hezbollah, could have Lebanon, it could have Syria, it could have Iran, and it could have the West Bank. Now, help us talk and think through that on the other side of this break, if you don't mind. Um, Brandon Weikert is my guest. Uh, Follow him at 1945.com, where he's a senior editor, 1945.com. His books, American uh, 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 Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He is a uh, geopolitical analyst and expert, author of several books. Brandon, um, if you're Israel, uh, well, let me start this way. First of all, a lot of been, people have been asking, you know, what's taking so long to go in on the ground war in Gaza? And there's been a lot of answers that have been floated, including, you know, needing to secure the north and preparing and that sort of thing. Although it seems like time is, is not on Israel's side. It's right. also possible that Israel could be facing a multi-front war, as many as five fronts. Anyway, how do you analyze this if you're... Advising so, Israel. The reason that they're holding back is because the kind of operation they need to do is going to be very manpower intensive. Mm-hmm. It's going to be gruesome and it's going to be time consuming. And what that means is that for 100,000 plus IDF troops down in the muck in Gaza for, let's say, six to 12 months minimum, in that meanwhile, you're, they're going to have to figure out how they're going to keep their northern border with Lebanon 
secure. Mm -hmm. The thing that I think is is happening, and I wrote about this in Chapter 3 of The Shadow War, Mm -hmm. when this war began, um, the... I think the goal of Hezbollah and Iran is to not do anything in the north significant until all of those IDF troops are fully committed to combat in the south. Mm -hmm. And then once they're in combat, they're going to inevitably see collateral damage. They're going to have instances like we were just talking about where Hamas or the Islamic Jihad or whatever are going to be trying to create these false flag issues to, you know, maximize public sympathy with the with the, the plight of the Gaza people, but they're also going to use those incidents as a casus belly to get Hezbollah to open up a second front. So what they're doing is they're waiting. And the, I think the Netanyahu's war cabinet knows this. And so they're in a pickle because they have to respond. Morally and politically, Netanyahu has to respond, and he has to respond in a very big way. He can't just do some pinprick strikes and then back away, because that's not going to help him politically. He's already being blamed in some quarters of Israel's politics for the attack, for not paying attention. Mm -hmm. So he's got to hit them hard, but he's got to do it in a way where he won't completely alienate the Saudis or trigger a wider war. And that's the balancing act. And there's another problem here, Seth. Just like in World War I, and I've always said, if there's another World War, it's going to be like World War I with nukes, not World War II. Just like in World War I, what happened? The Austro-Hungarian Empire delayed for many months responding to the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. And the longer that they delayed, the less sympathy they had and the less political will that was given to them by the other powers to strike back at the Serbs. And so when they finally did strike back, all of that will had been lost and all of that sympathy had been lost and the rest of the powers around them simply looked at this through cold geopolitical lenses, and that, I think, is what's going to happen if Israel does delay too long hitting Gaza. They're going to lose all the sympathy, they're going to lose all the time and all the element of surprise, and it's still going to trigger a wider war. Yeah, that's my concern, too. Uh, you, you, you put it beautifully. Uh, it, it seems to me Israel is going to be constrained and restrained from fighting the kind of war it needs to fight to have the kind of victory it needs to have if it is planning to do the kind of ground war that you're talking about and the kind of ground war that we're expecting. It will also, interestingly, because Israel will not do Dresden, will not do a Tokyo firebombing of Gaza. Which is a problem. Is, right. It's going to put more of its own soldiers at risk in this operation. Right. I mean, what they should do, and they're not going to do it because they'll immediately lose right. the Arab street, right. and they'll also lose American support. Right. But if it were me, knowing that I'm going to be up against a northern front and another front probably coming in from Syria, uh, as well as the Turks putting pressure on me at sea, uh, what I would do is I would just say I'm not committing a single ground troop to Gaza. I'm going to pull all those guys up north, and I'm just going to flatten Gaza. I'm going to leave – I'm going to make it, you know, what we did to Dresden, and then I'm going to salt the earth for good measure. Um, But they're not going to do that. No, and they can't do it now. They might have been able to do it two Mondays ago, by the way. That's the problem with time. That is I the problem agree. with time. And, exactly and by the way, that is that is exactly what Syria would have done. That is exactly what almost any other nation in the region would have right. done had a similar thing been done to them. It's what China would have done. It's what China would it's have what done. Russia would have done. Yeah. It's what any nation would have done. But Israel is in a unique spot because their so-called allies really don't want them to succeed. That's I mean, right. even Biden, he's getting all this praise from Netanyahu, and I realize Netanyahu likes to do that because he needs to keep the Biden people happy. But Biden really hasn't done that much 
Deploying a carrier strike group? La-ti-da, okay? <laughs> like, you know, give me something more than that if you're serious. Give me some air power in the region and deploy it against Iranian targets. Biden has uh, lathered the country and the world into the precipice of a new world war. You know, it's funny, Brandon. Everyone thought it was irresponsible to give Reagan the nuclear codes or Donald Trump the yeah. nuclear codes. This guy has upset every place there was peace. You know, you know, Seth, whether you're talking about Chamberlain, whether you're talking about uh, Carter, or you're talking about um, Obama or now Biden, there is a strain here. Whenever there is a Western leader that is weak and overly conciliatory with our enemies or is perceived as being weak and feckless, the world is actually less safe than when the supposed cowboys have the access to the codes right. and have control. Winston Churchill, Ronald Reagan, even George W. Bush, who I think made some mistakes. You know what, though? He did put the fear of God into our enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, John, Donald Trump, same thing. Very unpredictable. Richard Nixon, same thing. Okay, so there's a, there's a pattern here. The people that the left says are crazy on the right that take power, they actually end up making peace. They actually usually end up making it better. Well, I mean, that, that, that's, that's kind of what the odd thing is. You know, I'm thinking about parallels in the next election. I'm a little more optimistic than you about it, maybe a lot more. <laughs> You're very pessimistic, and I'm somewhat optimistic, so we're very distant on this due to your level of pessimism, not my level of optimism. But the parallels to 1979, including the same exact actors, are all over the place, at least worldwide. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I'm, I'm, that would be ideal. I just um, no, I know, you know Trump, I know. I know. Trump's not a Reagan. <laughs> you like Trump's to hedge your Reagan. bets a little bit more than I do. Well, yeah. he's just you know, Trump's not a Reagan. I mean, yeah. Reagan was the happy warrior. Yeah. Uh, Reagan actually did appeal to independence in a way that Trump sadly does not. Yeah. And if Trump is the nominee, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's going to be very tight the election, and it's going to be very contested, and we're going to be mired. You know, who? What I, I just wrote an article for 1945. I don't know if it's been published yet, but. It, I said, basically, whoever wins, it's going to be so close. Yeah. The loser is going to contest the election. Yeah, it's, it's going to be. Yeah, I, I think problem. that's right. I think that's right. And I think, by the way, it's the Democrats that have handed this ar argument uh, to, the, to the country because everyone thinks it's popular to blame Republicans for election denial. But they've been doing it since at least 2000. Well, the Democrats have been yeah. doing it yeah. Since, yeah. You know, yeah. for decades. I mean, yeah. they're the ones that started it. Hillary exactly. Clinton, I still found I found an article today from 2016 in which they were talking about Hillary Clinton sharing all this information yep. about how supposedly Trump stole the election. So, you know, they, they've been doing it a lot longer than we have. And the New York Times, as they spread this lie, spread that one as well. It's a, it's yep. a, next time and we visit, let's talk about that. the media's responsibility and all this stuff, too, Brandon. That's yeah. right. All right. Bless you, sir. Stay well. Stay safe. Talk to you Monday. You got it. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show for our culture and economy update. We turn to John Dombrowski. He is the president and founder of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Happy Wednesday. John, how are you, sir? Hey, Seth. How's it going? I'm doing fine. Thank Great. you. Interest rates, 8% almost. Mm. What does oh that mean for us? Well, home mortgage rates, yeah, hitting hitting 8% today. This, yeah. uh, you know, as bond yields uh, went up today, the markets reacted negatively to it. 
uh, it's uh, it's an interesting time right now. You know, for a lot of people out there who have not seen these these rates. Of course, you and I we're we're old pros at this. We <laughs> we're familiar with these rates. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, we're starting to see a, a drop in, in applications for mortgages. Uh, I think falling 7% last week from the previous week. Uh, and we'll probably see another fall again. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. Uh, you're starting to see the home builders utilize a tool of called a buy down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that well, rate, but talk to us. Yeah. Yeah. What, what these uh, home uh, builders are doing is buying down the interest rates by paying upfront costs. They call them discount points, mm-hmm. uh, to buy down the rates for the uh, purchasers. So to keep maybe some, uh, you know, numbers in line so that they can qualify for the loan. And, and again, a 7% mortgage looks a little better than an 8% mortgage over a 30 year period yep. of time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things too, Seth, I think that you're going to find is, uh, and we, I think we touched on this a couple of weeks ago is we're starting to see more people consider those adjustable rate mortgages again. Yeah. Uh, if you purchase an adjustable rate mortgage, a three one, they call it a three one adjustable yep. rate mortgage. Maybe the first three years is a fixed rate. And then after three years, that rate will adjust based on what's going on out there in the economy. And, you know, if you did purchase a, a home using a, an adjustable rate mortgage today, um, we could probably think through the scenarios that interest rates may be lower in three years than they are today, which means if your uh, mortgage is going to adjust in three years, it's going to adjust maybe down and not up mm-hmm. like we would have seen over the past couple of years. So I think people will get creative and you will see a definite slowdown, but there will still be people out there that need to you know, buy a home. Maybe they sold their house or it's a first-time home buyer situation, and people want to get into a home. Uh, and you'll probably still see uh, some activity, but it's definitely showing signs of weakness at the moment. Uh, Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell is expected to give an important speech tomorrow at the New York Economic Club. That's where John Kennedy spoke in '62, calling for tax cuts. Mm-hmm. They say uh, he's going to do a look back uh, about how the Fed needed to get rates high and quickly um, that they were looking currently uh, for what the right rate is now, kind of the mm-hmm. kind of the uh, just getting it just right, uh, and then um, how how to get long rates to stay high to get inflation back to its target, which is what around two percent. Well, that's their target, and I think there are those out there believe that that's maybe not a, yeah. a you know a target that's going to be hit yeah. in the near you know near future. Yeah. Maybe it might take a couple of years to get there at this mm-hmm. point, uh, which I, again I think would be um, somewhat okay. I think that the financial markets can absorb that. You know, I think maybe three percent might be a little bit more of a realistic goal at the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, with maybe the longer term goal getting back down to two percent. Uh, you know, the challenge, too, we still have this, uh, you know, the auto worker strike, Seth, and that's, that's right. you know, going to be spilling over not only from uh, the building of the automobiles themselves, but now the parts uh, potentially. I had a, cl- a client come in today that I did a review with, and he owns an auto, uh, you know, repair shop, and he's starting to hear from Ford, from GM, that be prepared. We're going to start to have, uh, you know, some some parts uh, challenges uh, moving forward here if we can't get these uh, strikes handled quickly. Yeah, that's right. It's not as if any of these problems have gone away just quite yet. And yeah, no, I... 
it, it'll be interesting to, you know, we should pay a special attention tomorrow to what Jerome Powell says, because with yeah. so much other news, he may sneak something in there. You know, he may sneak, sneak something in there that doesn't get paid attention to the way it otherwise might have. It's possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should pay careful attention. John, thank you, sir. For you bet. Folks can reach me by going to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Request an appointment there with me. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Henry and Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Rick is in Phoenix. Hi, Rick. Hello there, Seth. I hope you're having a magnum Wednesday. Yeah, doing great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Hey, I got a couple of things I'd like to run by you. All righty. First one, uh, I heard a song last night that I have not heard in a long time, and I had a I, I thought a really good horn section to it. Oh. It was by a little old group called Chicago, yep. and the song is, Does Anybody Really Know What Time It Is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had some great... Uh, they, uh, I'm trying to think. Chicago Chicago really introduced, I think, horn sections to rock and roll. Johnny Cash did it with Ring of Fire and Country, but Chicago, uh, Lee Lohnein was their uh, trumpet player. Um it's a great one, uh, and then of course you had, uh, yeah, you had you had blood, sweat, and tears as well. Those those bands yeah. kind of had some really great horns in them. You betcha. Yeah, I had forgotten about Chicago mm-hmm. and, and how how good they were. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the yeah. Other... Check out a check out a song of theirs called Street Player, and you'll hear some real trumpet. Okay, yeah, what go is, check what it out. Your... Street Player. Street Player. Yeah. Okay, I'll check that out. Yeah. yeah. Hey, the other thing I wanted to run by you is uh, cultural observation, and I think you mentioned a day or two ago that uh, you were surprised at how little anger there was over what's going on in the Middle East, yeah. what's happened to Israel, and yeah. the, the Jew haters, the Israeli haters, yeah, how and many, all of that. How many people the, on Twix or whatever have seen Israeli flags, uh, like they saw yeah. Ukrainian flags or BLM, or how many people have yep. seen it uh, on their Peloton bikes where everyone likes to virtue signal? Is there anything yeah. like that? Yeah. No, there is not. And, and, and my observation, uh, when you mentioned that, I, I thought about, I remembered hearing a story years ago about a professor that asked his class one day, uh, what are the two greatest dangers facing the world? And uh, the clown dunce uh, in the class piped up and said, I don't know and I don't care. Mm-hmm. And the professor said, that's right. Yeah, those are the answers. Ignorance and apathy. Yeah, yeah, and and compassion that comes before comprehension. That's 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 yeah. That's what it leads to. That's yeah. why so many people could uh, uh, immediately rush to the belief uh, from the Hamas Ministry of Health that uh, Israel blew up a hospital yesterday and killed right. hundreds of people, right. as we now see the hospital is standing, and uh, yeah. a parking lot was taken out by Islamic Jihad. That's what happened. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the body count will be at the end of the day. It won't be close to 500. Yeah, just a lot of cars. Ignorance. A lot of cars were blown up Yeah, by Islamic Jihad. Begging a question that no one seems to want to ask, by the way. Why uh-huh. is Islamic Jihad firing rockets? Does any, I mean, we're just saying, oh, well, it was an Islamic Jihad. Why are they firing rockets? 
How is this acceptable? Yeah. Is anyone asking that question? No, it really. Could. I mean, yeah, okay. We we we've slaughtered we've slaughtered uh, we've slaughtered hundreds uh, of people. We've killed Americans. Uh, we've taken uh, two hundred hostages. Um, so now let's fire rockets, and it's just supposed to be to be calmly accepted that Islamic Jihad ended up being the one responsible for blowing up this parking lot next to a right. hospital. But why are they firing rockets? Why is this an acceptable thing? As everyone's wringing their hands about war crimes Israel might be engaging in. Yeah, in a more sane world, those questions would be asked. In a in a world where we had more adults and fewer children, those questions would be asked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's an excellent point. By the that way, point. those rockets that uh, were fired off, I think they were Qassam rockets that were fired off by Islamic Jihad, uh, what was the intent of those rockets? It was to kill Israelis, yeah. obviously, right? Yeah. Can you imagine an outcry if it was reversed, if Israel was just firing off rockets indiscriminately? Oh. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that that's they would love that because that's exactly the whole schmear smear campaign is is to is to paint the Israelis as the barbarians when it, it's like it's like Dennis Prager says you know uh, if you find if you want to know what the left is up to just see what they're accusing you of mm-hmm. and the same principle applies there Whatever Hamas and and the the Islamic Jihad and all of them accuse the Israelis of, that's what they're doing. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, too many people are willing to believe the reporter and not the facts. Um, yeah. And not it's it's an unfortunate thing, you know. Conspiracy theories run rife throughout the Middle East. They exist on the, the Middle East operates on conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the only question I have is, do they know better or not? I don't know. I mean, when you teach the kinds of things that are taught in these schools from preschool on up. And uh, you can you can see the literature and you can see the classes and you can see the way they train these young kids to be suicide bombers, etc., because of the enemy that is uh, uh, Yahud, the Jew. You, you, you wonder if they do truly believe the things they're taught. This is the danger yeah. of propaganda and the danger yeah. of warping the brain. What's unfortunate is so many people in the American media uh, bought into it um, and accepted it. I think they wanted to. Uh, as Ariel Davidson uh, put it yesterday, I think the media deliberately believed the Hamas lies about the hospital because they wanted so badly for there to be a moral equivalency between uh, Israel and Hamas. They really wanted that to be the case. Um, but, you know, these newspapers have, are going to have a lot of blood on their hands. Um, Bloomberg News, hundreds of Palestinians were killed in an Israeli airstrike that hit a Gaza City hospital, they reported. The AP Breaking, the Gaza Health Ministry says at least 500, at least 500 people killed in an explosion at a hospital that was caused by an Israeli airstrike. CNN, hundreds killed in Israeli strike on Gaza hospital. Reuters, hundreds killed in Israeli airstrike on Gaza hospital, according to health authorities. Health authorities. Health authorities. BBC News. Hundreds of people have been killed in an Israeli strike on a hospital in Gaza. New York Times. Israeli strike kills hundreds in hospital. Wall Street Journal. Israeli airstrike on Gaza hospital kills more than 500. Israeli airstrike on Gaza hospital kills more than 500. And then 
when you caught to the New York Times and CNN, they were using images, images of a destroyed building that was not the hospital. Destroyed building that was, in fact, uh, a building in Khan Yunus, 25 kilometers from where the hospital was located. That's what they did. They showed you a picture of what they weren't reporting on to make it look as bad as possible. This, this is incredible. This is incredible. You know, there's these debates over whether the USS Maine really ha- – what happened to the USS Maine was, was accurate. And I think the most recent wisdom in history on that is it was probably an internal explosion, not an attack by Spain. Right, David? But, boy, the death toll from that is going to pale in comparison to the death toll from – this false reportage and this willingness to believe our enemy. Blame America first, blame Israel first, and it's going to lead to a lot more bloodshed. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Why Refi uh, with uh, bank failures and stock market f- volatility and inflation. Why uh, Refi offers an investment in a portfolio, high fixed rate of return, and not correlated to the Federal Reserve or the stock market. It's a portfolio where you'll know what each monthly statement will look like. No surprises. You can compound your monthly income. You can turn it on and off. There's no penalty if you need your money back at any time. Uh, the interest is compounded daily. You are paid monthly, and there are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio offered up by Y-Refi, which is a due diligence-approved firm. You can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-24, 888-Y-REFI-24. I, uh, I sometimes uh, have found uh, a uh, conservatives in other countries to uh, be um, not only educational but instructive as to how conservatives should be here. <clears throat> Stephen Harper in Canada was one of them. Of course, Margaret Thatcher, we uh, still love watching video of. Watch this new conservative leader in Canada, Pierre uh, Polivare. He is something else. There's a uh, viral two-minute video of his going around where some liberal reporter is uh, talking to him at uh, what looks like a farm or a winery. It's not exactly clear, but uh, Pierre uh, Polivare, the head of the Conservative Party in Canada, is just eating an apple very casually, very relaxed, very comfortable with himself, and this liberal reporter is trying to get him. This is how to do it. I mean, this is how to do it. Just listen to a moment of it, and if you hear crunching noises, it's just Polivare just contentedly eating an apple, listening to this uh, listening to this uh, idiot um, on the on the topic I mean in terms of your sort of strategy currently you're obviously taking the populist uh, pathway um, what does that mean <laughs> well ap- appealing appealing to people's uh, more emotional levels I would guess um, I mean what certainly you mean certainly you certainly you tap certainly you tap uh, very strong ideological language quite frequently like what uh, left wing, you know this and that. Right wing, they, you know, I mean, it's that that type I of ideological spectrum. About, I never really talk about left but or right. Anyways, a lot I of people don't pe- really believe in that. Okay, a lot of people would would say that you're simply taking a page out of the 
Donald Trump uh, Broadly, book. like which people would say that? <laughs> well, I'm sure a great many Canadians, I'm but... Sure. Like who? Like who? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who, but... Well, you're um, the one who asked the question. Yeah, yeah. This is... Yeah. Don't just take the bait. Think about the words they're using and press them on it. Watch this guy, Pierre Polivare. He's my new hero. We'll be right back. 